You wanna do it? You wanna do it? Fuck you! Welcome to Left of the Throne, a Game of Thrones and House of the Dragon review podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Montarulo, uh, joined here by my co-host, Comrade Dracula and Cat. Comrade and Cat, how's it going? I, I just saved my wine from being knocked over by the cat jumping up onto the porch ledge. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like, literally just grabbed it and the cat hit my hand as I was getting my hand around it. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm here in uh, the great state of Ohio. Uh, the second time I've been recording the flea bottom of America. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I always like when I travel, look up like the nicknames and of the state and, you know, things like that. State mm-hmm. tree, state bird, state motto. Oh, hey, Ohio state motto. Thankfully, thankfully is from the Bible. Oh, good. That's, that's, that's good. <laughs> Ohio state motto with God, all things are possible. Adopted in 1959. At the suggestion of a public school child. <laughs> that's that's oh, the world that's, in which we live. That sounds that sounds about right. Um, the, the old gods and the old god. No new gods, just the old god and the older god. Yep. The Old Testament and the Older Testament. Right. And, and fucking the Lord of Light and the other one. That the... no, no, there's no Lord of Light here. Oh, okay. There's no Lord of Light. There's just, it's just Satan and... The right-wing fascists that want to save you from Satan. Um, yeah, this, this cat's so, really cute. We have a, we have a semi-feral cat living here, and um, she had kittens that are fully uh, feral, and they're very skittish around people, and they'll, they they'll hiss at you if you try to touch them. Uh, but the mother is very affectionate, and she will come up and cry and cry and cry, demanding to be petted. So she's right <laughs> here with me, right right next to me. Anything to say? No, guess not. She's shy all of a sudden. Um, we, got a, we got a little mew out of her. You can hear her purring. Oh, nice, nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, so we're back here recording uh, our review of episode two of House of the Dragon this week because uh, not a ton went on. I mean, you know, <laughs> apparently, although, funnily enough, I, I don't know if you saw right before we went on air the... Uh, uh, apparently another ship ran aground in um in in the Suez Canal. So oh nice <laughs> yeah. So that that might be awesome again. Well, um, so for those of you who drive, just be prepared for your gas to quadruple in price for you know whatever was on that ship, be it gasoline or not. Bet you was that fucking crab eater or whatever the hell his name is, the pirate guy, <laughs> fucking ran aground. Oh god. Um. So yeah. So this week, I, I I you know another great episode of House of the Dragon. Um. I thought, you know, it was a lot more, uh, a lot of the same that we got in week one in terms of just a lot of talking and setting up, you know, what's to come. Um, but a lot of big things happened it it was, it felt very, it felt very prelude to the red wedding to me, especially the, the final scene in the episode. So I, I just really enjoy what looks like, you know, just, just a fucking train wreck heading for every one of the characters on the show and we can kind of talk about, you know, scene by scene or, you know, big moments at least. But, uh, to me, the highlight was, was the fucking showdown, uh, that they have on this bridge that's seemingly in the middle of the clouds, you know, on Dragonstone. Oh, that's not a bridge. That's a rampart. That's I was that, okay. Okay, so yeah. it was just surrounded. Right, it looks like a bridge just because it's <laughs> clouds on every side. But yeah, so well, that it, was a rampart. It might be a rampart that's hundreds of feet in the air. I'm just telling you that's that's what it is. But right, okay, uh, completely dangerous. Not not fit for human um, 
usage, <laughs> but yeah, whatever. I mean, they clearly they're high up because the fucking dragon dragon comes flying in under the clouds or under the fog, and it's like you know rising up like it's fucking tremors. Um, great visual there, but yeah, it's I don't know. Like to me, it's, it, all of it does seem a little bit rushed because it's like, oh, it's only second episode and we're already showdown to war it's like i guess that's what so, you have when you have a bigger budget and you've already built the entire world in which they live you don't have to explain all all the finer points of everything it's like you can just get right to the the showing and don't have you know seven seasons of telling to get to that well and you know and i don't know if this is the case but i do know that the book fire and blood spans like 30 years at least so i'm not sure if they're going to get to all 30 within season one or if that's like the three or four or five year goal, but they're certainly not averse to like, I think the next episode, if I'm not mistaken, is like a three year time jump, I believe. Cause yeah. you know, just, and I don't think it's spoiling anything for anyone. Clearly after the bombshell at the end of the episode that, that King Viserys drops, uh, he's going to father a male heir. I mean that they, they, you know, spoil that immediately in the preview for next week. And, and in that preview, the kid looks to be like a toddler. So it's clearly not, right away you know it, it's clearly like a two three year time jump um which is interesting because for for a variety of reasons but we'll, and which we'll get into but i just wanted to you know it, it, it's not I, I don't really have an issue with it just because of the nature of like what this is based on the fact that like scenes whole scenes in this book like the or whole scenes in this series were like sentences in, in fire and blood like apparently the whole bridge showdown was like a three sentence mention in the book so it's like right to see the shit that they actually rend out of that i thought was pretty amazing because i again just the mvp of the show so far damon targaryen you know maximizing every minute that he's on screen because he's just to me he's such an interesting character like he he you know again could just be a one-dimensional like a ramsey bolton or a joffrey or just like a pure sadistic fucking you know, lunatic or usurper or whatever, but like, he just, he really is an interesting layered character. Like he's, you know, he tries to come off as this like tough, you know, like rebellious fucking leader of this, this traitorous group of, of gold cloaks. But you know, his sister kind of bitches him out. She rides up on the dragon. Like he's not, you know, he's not going to kill her. He's still, it's still his or not his sister is, um, is what was she is niece. niece yeah niece sorry um basically when you're all from the same family who's it, gonna, exactly it, it, the, it's, the, it's might as well be his sister who there cares. are plenty of targaryen sister nieces and mother daughter, yeah. you know whatever um but so but again like you know i i love that scene because i just love the the sort of subtle things that matt smith does in that scene like you can tell he's you know he knows he can't like be completely backed down but he also is not gonna kill his niece because he does you know care about her and he cares about his brother ultimately this all seemed like a huge like ploy for his brother's attention like that's all he ultimately wants like he didn't really have a baby to steal the egg for like he did you know he he's just he's just throwing a temper tantrum in a major way and i think what we see with corliss uh later on uh, you know the head of the valerian family um is that I don't think that Damon intended to go into to foment like a full blown rebellion against his brother. I think he's going to get manipulated into it by Corliss. Like that seems to me to be what they're sort of foreshadowing and setting up. And eh, you know, I would say vice versa. <laughs> he, he's because he, you know, like, like we'll we'll talk about the the various weaknesses of the king, but you know, well, he, yeah, he, he sees those weaknesses and he and he tells him like, no, I agree. you need a guy like me because you really are weak. And when he gets cast out, he's like, "Okay, well, let's who el- let's see who else thinks my you know my brother the king is weak." I, I and I'm think- gonna pull this little stunt and see who jumps at it to you know see what else they really want me to do because it's not going to be a direct confrontation yet. No, and I don't think he wants that yet. And that's the thing is like I don't that's think he wants it. Yeah, yeah, I don't think he wants to go to war with his brother. And I think he does still care about his brother. He's just pissed at how I think you know humiliated he was and how like abruptly he was sort of taken the the air air to you know his his air ship i don't know whatever the fuck you call it was was sort of ripped away from him and i think that this still kind of comes back to that whole theory we had in episode one about how the fact that we never actually hear him say it and that it may not have been even something he said or in context the whole like mocking the fact that the king's son died you know like he clearly was also upset by that and the way that the show sort of 
tries to play it, you know, we're made to think that he was sort of wryly making jokes, you know, in front of his, in front of his boys. And that's the whole reason for the start of this conflict between him and his brother, like the, him being cast out. So it is, it is kind of an interesting thing that they're playing with him where he certainly does have sadistic tendencies and he can be a fucking asshole, but he does seem to genuinely care about his family. And I think there are these opposing forces and these people sort of whispering in his ear and being like, Hey, you know what? Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe you don't want to go into full on war with your brother, but your brother's not getting the fucking job done. And you know that you can get the job done. And with me, we can get, you know, like, I think there's going to be a point where a series of stupid decisions by Viserys and we see a major stupid one at the end of this episode, um, are going to lead to his brother having to actually go to war with him or, you know, deciding to, however you want to phrase it. What I think is interesting is the, the different ways that people are and aren't effective at persuading the king. Um, when people are direct with him and they just lay it all out honestly, like, here's this problem you need to take a look at, he backs down from it. And right. that's why you think he's weak. But the people that really know him that, that know how to manipulate him well, they don't do it by saying, here's the problem, here's what we have to do. They do it by emotional ma- manipulation. They never right. tell him what he what he should do or what they want him to do. They, t- they remind him of how he feels about something tragic. Or, in the case of Allison, they remind... Uh, R- R- what's the main character's name? Renera. Renera reminds Renera how she felt when her mother died. Right, which is like, like, and they're in that that uh, that, that that church, that sept or whatever. In like, pr- probably the most. Scene, old... By the way, oh yeah, well, it's like she she te- they have the moment to like say a prayer to their mothers, and she before they're done, you see her turn and look at her to see if she's gonna break emotionally, and uh-huh. then she does, <laughs> which is like just like the greatest like, <laughs> oh, she's up to some serious she's... emotional shit, and it's she's the same her... thing. Oh, yeah. The same thing with with uh, Otto and the king. Like he's he never says, "Well, this is what I think you should do." He says, "You have a very ch- tough choice, and I I don't envy <laughs> the choice you have to make." Like forcing him to have to process it on his own and feel like he came to the, his own decision when he completely got manipulated into it, right? But he still tries to kind of have it both ways, where he's like, "Well, yeah, I'm gonna I'm not gonna marry a 12 year old. That's perverse. I'll marry a 14 year old instead." <laughs> Well, and that's, and that's a great, totally thing. different generation. <laughs> and, and, and Otto Hightower, I mean, you know, the closet MVP of the series so far in terms of like little finger 2.0, right. D- d- absolute king of manipulation. Like just never. Yeah. Right. Never just comes out and says it knows the perfect thing to do. Just, you know, Hey, send, send Alice. By the way, her name is Alice Cause God forbid he, that's, this is George Martin's favorite thing is he'll take like a normal name and add one fucking letter to it to make it like sound exotic and bizarre like like his wife was emma but it was a e m m a like right right gets fucking lazy half got version of glup shitto <laughs> well no my, my favorite still is kevin lannister like just the most like he totally ran out of fucking names it's just like, i don't know he's fucking kevin well, but... that's what makes it believable is you have some of it you know it's like <laughs> what's, but what's... we'll spell it v-a-n so this way it's exotic and what's the hero's first name luke what's his last name I don't know Star Walker. I don't know. Fuck it. <laughs> well, it was Star Killer, which is even more on the nose oh, to know, begin I with. That, right. Um. So they're no, Star but... Killers. I'm a Star <laughs> Saver. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. So yeah. So Otto, you know, and Rice Ifen, Rice Ifens, I think is his name. I, I forget how you pronounce his name. I, I've always loved him as an actor. He's he's a great like character actor. He's always in. He's always great in whatever random '90s comedy or like you know. Uh, genre movie you'll see him in so i'm glad to finally see him get sort of like this meaty dramatic role because i always knew he kind of had a little more in him because he sort of elevated those like bit characters he always plays sure so i you know he he's really kind of shining in this this sort of like uh, you know he's little finger-esque but he's definitely uh, he has a lot more personality like i really enjoyed him in the bridge scene where he where he shows up and just fucking verbally eviscerates uh damon you know when when they when they have this confrontation um but i and i I also love the whole you know idea that this dragon egg is basically you know dragon eggs are basically like nuclear warheads in in the game of thrones universe like that's you know this thing that could be used potentially 
I'm a little confused about how it actually works because, you know, the Daenerys' eggs hatched. They had been dormant for hundreds of years and they hatched in a fire. Well, that was kind of but, like a miracle-ish type. Like that was not something. They, right. they thought they were long dead and dried up or but whatever. But they got to have their own gestation period. I don't think just putting them in a crib with a baby automatically makes them hatch the same day or anything. No, 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 for sure. So, like, I, I want to I learn more about, like, how does that actually work? Because that seems like... I feel Another like we've seen them on fire thing. or coals or like they seem to be like they I don't want to say they cook them, but like they seem to like like it's some kind of incubator where they can right. kind of like like we, we want the dragon to be born, you know, on or around this date <laughs> well, they <laughs> when put the baby the... has a 50 percent chance of living. <laughs> right. When they put it in the fucking the little, the little crock pot after they get it back and you know, right. the little traveling crock pot. So clearly there is some sort of procedure or ritual to it, but. Um, but I, but I love that. Like, that's an interesting, you know, that's always an interesting sort of parallel that they make. And like, you know, it's all well and good. You know, they can, they can all have their swords out. The second a dragon shows up, it's, you know, put away your fucking swords. Like that's, you know, (laughs) that's what it always becomes, which is, which is kind of, or just, you're all going to get fucking roasted. Like, which is, which is also great. Um, but I, and I also really love that, that, the, you know, the whole idea that like the King's just so feckless and Renaro's like, you know what, I'm, you know executive decision here i'm just gonna fly there myself because these guys are all gonna get roasted if i don't and you know again like you imagine what would have happened if she didn't come there and it's well i don't think it would have gotten roasted but it still would have they would have looked embarrassed and you know the weak weak king would have looked even weaker right so she was she was doing the thing that he told her not to do in the first place with this other with you know with the crab face guy you know, like she was like, well, you got to have some show of force here because these guys are going to keep piling up because they can tell that you are, you know, solely a peace king. And, you know, like, and I love the metaphor for that, that he's he keeps cutting himself on the Iron Throne and the wounds won't heal. Right. Like, he's like not we, worthy. Well, we didn't know at first that that cut on his back was really from that. We thought maybe it was something else. And he just said, oh, it's nothing. It's just from the thing. Right. And then we see, you know, he's he's got the the Meisters putting his hand in mealworms to like chew off the the, the rest of his <sighs> finger yeah. that got infected after he just like slightly nicked it on right. the throne. That was such a thing. Uh, I didn't even get that at first. That that was the same injury. Oh yeah, that, right. It, yeah, that, yeah, for sure. Right. So, so so it begs the question though. Like, if this is you know a, a tiny little nick on his hand turns into a festering wound, turns into dead flesh that has to be gnawed off by you know a, a small little invertebrate like the crabs are doing with the fingers of the people, the victims of this, you know, triarchy, this uh, crab king guy, crab face. What the, what's the fuck is his name? <laughs> right. Yeah. The leather face guy. Uh, I think it's, he's crab feeder. I believe is something. Yeah. He's got yeah. an actual first name. It's like, like crusty crab feeder, some stupid shit like so that. So <laughs> I, I watched one uh, video that was theorizing that, you know, like the fact that he's getting nicked and cut and they, the wounds aren't healing would sort of suggest that like maybe the iron throne is the like the blades have been poisoned somehow right and in all the the meisters like can't seem to figure out what the cause is or how to cure it for some reason mm-hmm. and so the fan video was like okay but before before the targaryens took over westeros and made king's landing the capital the capital used to be um old town which is where the citadel is which right. is the headquarters of all the meisters um yeah yeah, so it's like the guys who have all the books and all the knowledge about all the medicines and all the poisons and all the things and all the places suddenly can't seem to figure out why the king's wounds from the throne aren't healing. So basically, the the theory was that like they they might be doing like a slow fucking coup to to basically make every king get sick and die right. until they get the leader that they want as revenge <laughs> for for the citadel capital being stripped of being the capital of westeros yeah and i I was like like, oh that's that's some fucking deep theory and and completely plausible in this world right or any one of his advisors who seem to view him the same way everyone else does as sort of a feckless weak king might be doing it also like you never know so that's that's also interesting like but um but you have the you have amongst all the different factions and and kingdoms and clans you have these uh meisters meisters am i saying that right meister Maester, yeah. Meister, Maester. Again, it's it's take a normal word and add like a letter to it or change a letter. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, but but they they have those. Every king like has one or two of those right. at, at their disposal. So if you wanted to have like a a multi-kingdom conspiracy, who better to carry that out? Oh, 100%. 
Uh, right, exactly. And that's that's how shit usually gets passed information wise, like between you know different different kingdoms or whatever they'll, they'll the fucking the maesters will just send each other ravens and then they're like oh my god you believe what blah blah, blah did like so right. um yeah and and i love you know and again i'm watching i'm sort of like what usually when i'll finish an episode i'll kind of keep resume my sort of game of thrones rewatch so i'm you know sort of like midway through season one right now um and i just love all the parallels that you always get with with the show you know, at, at some point, like after after Viserys breaks, and we're gonna kind of jump all over in this episode a little bit, but so at the end, after Viserys breaks the news that he that he plans to marry Alicent, not um, not Corlys's daughter, whose name I forget, uh, he he fucking like stands up. And That's he's like, good. You shouldn't remember the name of the twelve year old Anthony. That should be <laughs> no. I look. I can only remember so many fucking goofy names. Like there's there's limited amount of space, but um. He, oh, I'm he, sure everyone when they heard that the, the name of the 12 year old was like who 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 is that and I assumed that that must be the you know the 14 or 15 year old Allison I was like wait that's her right and then it, when it wasn't I was like oh but it, it's going to be no it was just, by the it, end was just it was just a kid wearing the most <laughs> absurd wig you've ever seen in your entire life right well just they, this I mean Marie Antoinette fucking ridiculous wig they they still totally set it up like when he's about to tell her you can tell that she thinks it might be her, right? And then you can right. see that she's disappointed when it isn't. But you see the potential because they have this actual rapport, um, even though it was, you know, her father sending her there, uh, telling her to wear her dead mother's dress, <laughs> hoping that that, like, might make her look more mature. Like, which is just, like, so creepy well, that he's, like, pimping out his daughter. <laughs> right, well, and that's who, he's, that's who he ends up marrying. That's who he says he's going to marry at the end of the episode is Alicent. Right, but that's, I mean, you, you totally see that that's who it's going to be because right, all right. the fucking foreshadowing. Right, right. so, and, and and clearly there actually is some affection from him, at least there. He it seem, he seems genuinely touched when she brings him back his little fucking, his little model, like, uh, like what, what's, the, what's that dude's name from The Wire who always makes a little model? Uh, <laughs> like, that's, like he's sitting there with this fucking little model of old oh. Valeria. Yeah, I don't remember the character's name. It's been a but, while, um, but there, I mean, another show where there's... 500,000 names you have to try to remember. Right. Um, and, but, and most of them have like five seconds of screen time. But so, you know, he he's clearly very touched by that. And like, you know, obviously he doesn't want to marry a tw- I mean, it's so it's so over the top. It's so creepy that it becomes funny, I think, in this episode when he's trying to talk to, her, to a 12 year old and like make small talk with her. And it's like it's like it's a fucking kid, which is kind of great because. This show, the first, you know, the game, the regular Game of Thrones series, I think a little bit sort of, you know, aged up and aged around characters to get around some of that weirdness on screen when the character was supposed to be a protagonist, you know, like with with the child brides and shit like that. And this show is like, nah, fuck that. We're going to make 60 year old man, like eight year old kid playing a 12 year old. Like it was very to me, it was very like over the top funny because it was so over the top creepy. Right. Well, they had to the, to normalize it. And I think they, they did that to an extent where you're just like, okay, this is like you you see how often children die in birth, how often mothers die in birth. You know that like the entire kingdom rests on this guy having a baby boy and it's somehow living to the age, ripe old age of nine before they can make it king or some shit like that. And, <laughs> right. and, and you know that, you know, it's like, you know that when your average lifespan is 30 years, you know, like 12 or 13 or 14 is like, you, that's your grass on the field, buddy. You know? So they're, they're poking fun at that at the same time by, by recognizing this, the people uh, clearly still in the, even in this world, find that idea of that to be abhorrent. Right. And, and they're trying to like rationalize why it's, you know, it's, you know, the, the, the right thing to do is going to be immoral. But that's just the world in which we live. And we, you know, there's so many things not like that exactly like that, but other things like that in our world that we rationalize, at, you know, immoral things we rationalize all the time because it's the only choice. Right. And, right. And that's why it's compelling, because obviously it parallels so many other things in our history and our modern culture and probably well into the future. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and but, you know, the great thing from that scene is like he stands up after after Corliss stands up and is like, this is bullshit, blah, blah, blah. And, and he basically just yells at him like, I am your king. And it just it immediately harkens back to the great scene in, with with Tywin after Joffrey, you know, has a little bitch fit 
And he says, any man needs a nap. (laughs) Right. And and, and he says to him, any man that has to say, I'm the king is no king. And it's just a great, you know, Game of Thrones loves to do stuff like that. Um, But it's just ultimately, I think Viserys is not, you know, a a particularly cruel king or particularly evil king. He's 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 seems to not be that bad, but he's just very feckless. And that's that seems to be playing out over and over again. And you're going to see in this world, you either need to be like a complete fucking populist man of the people, you know, beloved king, or you need to be a fucking cruel psychopath uh, to, to hold on to power. And anything in between, it just leaves you right for the picking for, you know, everyone around you to do everything they can to manipulate you into making a series of stupid and and by the way he needed no help i mean that you know to totally and that's why i said at the beginning of this episode it was a very rob stark moment where rob stark's like yeah i know everyone agreed that i was gonna marry this chick but uh i kind of want to marry this chick and you know we saw what resulted from that i mean that you know the the ultimate fucking end game of the series was kind of set into set into play there um you know with, with what happened in the red wedding and everything that followed but uh it's just you see a moment like that and you're like oh well this is (laughs) stupid decision that he probably made fairly rashly that's gonna probably bring about the end of his reign and start a civil war um because then from there corliss went and talked to damon and you know it's it's just it it, 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 i love that when they show moments like that where you could just see the crux of history in this world sort of turning on its axis from little split second decisions like that. Well, I mean, we see it as a split second decision because it was well, all no, right. I mean, I mean within one episode, certainly but... not a, not a, you know, years long deliberation. It was like a couple, maybe a couple days, you know, somewhat, somewhat rash decision. That was clearly not the, the, the most, I mean, he, I think if I was him, I probably would have just been like, I'm not going to. Well, it's like somebody told him, you know, some political advisor told them that, you know, the, the key to a great compromise is that everybody's unsatisfied with the outcome. And <laughs> right, the, Democratic the, Party the, school the problem politics. with that here is that he's the king and he shouldn't <clears throat> have been trying to appease anyone. But it, it was like he, you know, his his most powerful uh, you know ally says, hey, I've got this controversial yet hugely beneficial uh, idea. Hear me out. And he finally agrees to it. But then instead of, you know doing that with his most powerful ally he does it with a much less powerful ally which pisses off his most powerful ally to turn against him it's like well (laughs) if you just would have done nothing it would have been better than the compromise that you made that you didn't have to make at all because you're the fucking king (laughs) or or it might not have been as bad if he had pulled corliss aside beforehand and and broke the news to him gently and didn't fucking embarrass him in front of the entire small like there's so many little things he could have done like i'm sure corliss would have been pissed but i don't know that corliss would have went and basically openly rebelled against him by going to his brother and been like yo fuck him let's just do this even though he told us explicitly not to um i don't think that would have necessarily happened if he had broken the news to him gently like i just i love his look at that moment because his look just said it's because i'm black isn't it Right, and, and I feel like the showrunners kind of want you to like kind of kind of pick up on that. Right, it's just you know even even in this world that like clearly is diverse. If you go to you know the further corners SOS of it, and, yeah, yeah, um, that you know being being the only uh, color brother on the council is probably not an easy task. No, and, then or today. I mean, he uh, sort of like gets into that when he's talking to Damon, like in that whole conversation about second sons, and you know we need to forge our own. You know, I, I built this house from nothing, and I right. you know he bit like. All that stuff, I think, is obviously about mm. second sons and royal blood, but I think that's also not a very thinly veiled, you know, commentary on race in America. Like that's, you know, that that's that's the the same as like as the, you know that episode one of the show was was talking about, you know, the the barbaric nature of of women not being in control of their own bodies. You know, obviously reflecting what we're seeing in modern society. I don't think it was like this was a mistake either. I think that there's a lot of intentionality and telling these stories where they kind of have this sort of open palette, you know, where they have a basic reference from these books, but not a ton of the, the, you know, it's very bare bones and they can kind of color in the details as they see fit. I I think they're certainly adding a lot of that sort of stuff into it. Well, there's also a misconception that throughout medieval Europe, there were not black people or brown people, uh, (laughs) which is objectively false. I mean, you can find paintings of them 
Um, however, many of those paintings, when they appeared in American textbooks or European textbooks throughout the last, uh, say, 150 years, they would just conveniently crop those people out of the picture of the painting in the textbook. Right. And there's like a whole series of like somebody did like a huge research project to show how that had been done hundreds and hundreds of times, you know, and whether the, the you know, uh, black or brown person in the, you know, Anglo white Saxon painting from the 13 or 1400s, whether they were a slave or a house servant or even a lord, they would still crop them out whenever possible. Right. <laughs> it's just, just crazy. Right. And it usually wasn't like, it wouldn't be like an art history book. It would just be like, here's a generic painting of, you know, what, what royalty and lords look like and the 14, you know, like whatever, right. where they knew they could cut it out and no one would, would care or know. Right. Um, I just remember my favorite thing about drinking wine outdoors in the summer is uh, finding fruit flies in your glass. Oh, that's all, that's uh, always fun. Uh, uh. Yeah, fortunately they're easy to fish out, but goddamn, like something about the. <laughs> I, I wanted to drink wine tonight because we're you know House Thrones, of the Dragons, right? you know. Dragon. But uh, yeah, doing that outdoors is no no simple task. Trying to podcast and uh, guard the uh, I, I'm the, what is it the I'm I'm the 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 I'm the knight that guards the realm of men, or I'm the how how does that phrase go? Oh yeah, I forgot something across the road. Yeah, I don't remember, but something about um, guarding the realm of men. Well, the, <laughs> the realm of men tonight is my glass of wine, and the night is dark and full of gnats. Right. So, <laughs> so uh, and, you know, and the other thing I love about that scene is is Renair, like it, just the way everyone, you know, just has a, you see the full gamut of emotions without almost any dialogue being said. Renera you know, is, is obviously blindsided by this and, and is furious at her father, but he, she's also furious at her best friend, uh, Allison, who again, also maybe I'm reading into this too much, but I'm not the only one who said this. There clearly seems to be some element of like romantic interest too, between them, it, it, you know, between Allison and Renera, or at least it seems to be that they're trying to hint at that in, in a lot of their scenes together. So for very- example, um, there is the very beginning of her character where she, you know, says, so where are you, when are you going to fly on the dragon with me? Which is kind of like hint, hint, nudge, nudge, right. like let's have a little romantic And they're just very affectionate fight. with each other physically, which, and, which you know. But she kind of turns her down and says like, well, I'm, I'm too afraid to do it. But that's mm-hmm. like, she says it in a way where it's like, now nah, there, there's a, a different level of slight going on there. Um, but I thought it was more really just like the fact that she was keeping this from her. No, that that's the moat. For sure, that's the major part. But I just think that that's, you know, I think that that's certainly a subtext of, of a lot of their relationship as well. But certainly the biggest thing is like, hey, you've been seeing my father for six months and hiding it from me. You know, <laughs> like that's what the fuck. And now she's going to marry, you know, her, her best friend who's her fucking age is going to marry her 60 year old or however old he is father and probably knock her out of the fucking line of succession for the Iron Throne, you know, forever. Like, you know, that kid's, she's not outliving that kid, barring, you know, barring tragedy. She's not outliving that kid. Right. Well, and and Viserys even says, well, no matter what happens, you know, to, to, you know, whatever what happens, I'm not going to change you as my first heir, but you're my only heir. So we need to have other heirs because you never know what might happen. And she's totally fine with that. She gets that. And you can you get the sense that like she's even fine with it being the twelve year old, which is like even more creepy. But it kind of like solidifies that like it just has to be done, you know, or else there could be civil war breaking out and just mass casualty and everything. So you're like, okay, fine. But the fact that she's so stunned at who it is tells you that there is a much more personal level to it, uh, and maybe it's just betrayal of her not, you know, being told that she's been kicking it with her father for the last right. six months or that, or the fact that she was trying to manipulate her into like becoming closer with her father. Right. So that they can all get along better somehow, I guess. But right. she definitely realizes that, that her friend is vastly more manipulative than she realized. And potentially is somebody that she was interested on some level herself and knows that that will never happen. Right. I think it's, I think it's multi-layered, which is just the great thing about this show, yeah. but I and also she clearly she... has the hots for the fucking, the new, um, Oh, Chris, Kristen Cole's is getting it in. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> without a doubt, Kristen Cole's getting Sir Kristen Cole is, fucking, you know, the yeah. way, the way she says his name on the balcony, you're like, oh, all right, we see what's going on here. 
Yeah, I mean, she was she was like, "Hey, who's the fucking who's the guy with the thing?" Before right. he even knew about her, before he even knew her, like he's brown, he's Dornish, he's what's exotic. The, what's, like... what's 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 the link to this guy's fucking Tinder profile? Oh, <laughs> right. oh yeah, okay, you got it, you got it. All right, right. Um, but her reasoning is sound. I, oh, by the way, I also love that guy who plays like the. I don't know if he's like the the Lord Commander of like the Kingsguard, but the the guy who she's with in that scene, the bald guy with the beard. I think that's her personal guard, but he's in the King's guard too. He's wearing the the gold armor, like I right. Think, but it's her personal it, it guy, is, right? He, he's the guy that lets her into the throne room and, like, you know, looks the other way, well, like, right? The King's guard, I think, guards the whole royal lineage. Sure, side. so sure. but he, but he's he's a great actor. He was in like he played like the guy's trainer in Creed. Like he's always good in, in like whatever you know, kind of gruff like like British or Irish role he's in. Yeah. Um, I'm actually but, amazed they found enough people who weren't in Game of Thrones already right. to like flesh out this cast. Because I mean, England's not that big a country. No, I know. But, <laughs> and we yeah. are, and half their actors are already doing American accents for all their movies anyway, so they can't go do Game of Thrones. They now. had a good five, six years of like English actors like build up that didn't make it into Game of Thrones. They're like, all right, we can get this is the backbench. We can use these guys. <laughs> you know, the, the second round draft Game of <laughs> Thrones players draft, are right. in motion. <laughs> Um, but no, but I, I, you know, I, I think she's also really naive to think that, and I'm sure he genuinely said means that at the time when he tells her like, well, I'm not going to replace you as heir, but like Renera, uh, or Renera, Rainus, Rainus, her aunt, the, the fucking, the, the, you know, the old, the old Targaryen lady, the conehead lady. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the conehead lady. Get her hair up she's in like, this weird cone thing. You know, she's got that, that sort of Lady Olena energy where she's like, yeah, if you really think that they're going to let you be queen, uh, you know, <laughs> again, do you have another fucking thing coming? Like, sorry to tell you. Like, she has a semi adversarial, but also like semi understanding relationship with her. And, and, you know, cause obviously she sees a lot of herself in her. Um, and she understands how I'm sure painful it was for her to be just passed over when she was the rightful heir, you know, by, in terms of lineage. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think she, she knows full well that they'll never let her be queen and never be ruled by, by, a, a I, I, I don't think they'll let her. I think she will be, but it's going to be, it's, know, it's a, not going to be a peaceful, over. right. It's not going to be peaceful. I think it's going to be, you know. And I don't remember, and I, I don't want to look it up because I don't want to spoil this for, for me or for us or whatever, but I don't remember if there was a point made that Daenerys would be the first woman to sit on the Iron Throne. I feel like that was a thing, and I could be misremembering that, but... I don't remember, but there's so many lines that he could be... It could have been a throwaway line, and she could have been like, oh, I don't care about what being the first woman. I'm going to be the, the first me that's ever, you know, whatever. Right, I don't remember, but I just wonder if that's, you know, kind of an indicator that this is not going to end well for, for Renera. But I don't know. We'll see. I'm very interested uh, to see how this goes. It, it's it's The great thing about this series is it's not a me- an immediate prequel, so it's not like we know everything that's going to happen. We don't know how the series is going to end flow and flow right into the beginning of you know, Game of Thrones, like this is 275 years before the events of Game of Thrones. So really anything could fucking happen short of the White Walkers coming back because we know that's not going to happen in this series. But short of that, don't be so sure it could come back in a place and in a way where nobody got the chance to write it down. That's true. That's true. (laughs) So (laughs) I I don't think it's an accident. And I was kind of mentioned this to you off air, um, but I don't think it's an accident that they mentioned the whole prince that was promised thing and you know the fact that we know that that's john i think that's that's subtle you know hbo market or maybe not so subtle hbo being like hey guess what we're gonna totally do a fucking spinoff series and this is like the right the marvel nick fury showing up at the end it's, of, you know? <laughs> it's the it's the pitch meeting like hey you just said the thing from the thing <laughs> right right exactly but that's you know so that's that's always in the i think that's going to be always in the background or in the back of our minds because he is a targaryen ultimately and uh, it's going to be an interesting thing to see if that's ever explored any more in the show. But, uh, I, I I can't wait to see what, so next week. Also, looks fucking like awesome because you know the, this whole crab feeder guy. By, and by the way, his first name is Craigus. His name is Craigus Crab Feeder. So I think that maybe is there should mo- be a the in the middle of there. <laughs> Craigus the Crab Feeder. I think Crab Feeder is probably like a nickname, but like his but he's Craigus something, and they just call him Craigus Crab Feeder. But um. 
then again, call, there are people yeah, last call him name Thomas the Tank Engine. I don't care as long as he fucking mutilates people. Yeah, and I mean we there need... are people with like little fingers, like their actual last name. So that could be his real last name. Who fucking knows? Yeah, I, I, it was hilarious. I, I watched at least uh, two or three YouTube videos on this where they blurred out like the the images of the crabs eating into <laughs> people's flesh, which like wasn't it wasn't even bloody violence, and it was no. also like ver- almost nighttime, like the sun's going down. It was down. pretty gnarly though, if you looked up close. Sure, it was good. It was good. Uh, uh, why you would know, you blur it out? Work. I don't know. It, that's just <laughs> that like, might oh, just be an algorithm thing. They, like YouTube they might made. demonetize yeah, me. Right. Like then get a job, you fucking loser, <laughs> nerd. <laughs> Well, that's, yeah, I'm I, sure I, that's what it was, but I, um, I don't know about like what things they may or might not do with the White Walkers in this show. I mean, clearly they're going to tie in whatever they want to. It doesn't matter. I'll still watch well, it. No, right? But they could do they could do whatever they want to because, like Ohio's motto says, "With God, all things are possible." <laughs> right? With the Lord of Light, right? All things are possible in this show. Um, but no. So I, I, I and I, and I, again, it's just that that simple like. You know, how fucking cool would it be to see cowboys versus alien? Like that stupid, like <laughs> one line premise. How fucking cool is it going to be to see dragons versus pirates next week? Like that's the shit that's like, you know, in the preview, there's clearly the, well, we, the battle. We, had, we with... get to see a little bit of that. And it was a very short battle because the pirates all jumped off the ship. <laughs> well, and, and again, I imagine that's what's going to happen here. And I imagine what's going to happen is, you know, again, Viserys is like, don't do anything. And Damon's gonna be like, yeah, fuck that. I'm going to go take out this threat. And then everyone's going to be like, Hey, uh, maybe Damon should be King and let's get rid of this Viserys guy because Damon saved our ass from the crazy fucking pirate rapey man. And, and Viserys didn't do shit. So I think that that's also going to further exacerbate, you know, tensions between the two of them and make it so that Damon has, uh, is going to gain a lot more followers, you know, and the fucking biggest Navy in Westeros at his back with Corliss's fleet. Like, yep. that's an interesting... Well, and I liked how they ended that conversation, too, because clearly he agreed with their, the plot, but he basically said, like, look, I can call my mom a bitch, but you can't call my mom a bitch. Uh, and I love that about him, because they, <laughs> they're still just playing with this idea that he really does love his family, but he just knows that his brother is a fucking milksop and can't really effectively rule Westeros, right? you know, and is going to get everyone he, killed. he may be really doing this, like he said, for honest intentions, saying, like... Right. You know, what do you want? He's like, I want to protect you because you really are weak. And maybe this is his way of proving how much protection he really needs I think and so. showing how much he can actually protect him, that it's not a hostile takeover. He's, you know, mischievous and a dick, but he really does want to make sure that his family is not unseated um, and that he still gets to be the one who is the heir. Well, right. And there's there's the selfish motivations, but I think there's also the preservation in his mind, preser- pres- preserving the Targaryen dynasty from his brother, who is going to, you know, a- annihilate it if he doesn't, you know, handle his business. Um, <laughs> death by a thousand paper cuts, literally. Right. Death by fright. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, but and, and I think the interesting thing is that now that they're apart and that they're and that Otto makes a point of not letting the kid. I mean, obviously, yeah, you don't want the king to go in like face off with with like a treasonous army on his own. But Otto is going to do everything he can to make sure that Damon and Viserys never have FaceTime again, because Otto's ultimate goal is to get Viserys to realize that that Damon's a threat and that he needs to be taken out. Like, there's no way that Otto that Viserys would let Otto kill Damon right now. But I think if he sufficiently manipulates him enough and we've seen he's capable of quite a high level of manipulation that he may eventually turn him against him. And I think that's Otto's ultimate goal because he knows that Damon's the only real threat right now to, to his power because he ain't right. going to be fucking hand. If Damon's, if Damon's King, like <laughs> that shit stops, like he might be able to manipulate Renera into being hand again, he thinks, but he is not going to be the fucking hand if Damon's King. Yep. It's a, uh, it's a good old clusterfuck. All right. But it's, it's definitely, you know, the, the dynamics of it, definitely feel like game of thrones but it's definitely uh unique to any of the precise power dynamics that we had um anywhere in the in the previous show so it feel it it feels fresh you know yeah. it's still engaging and goddamn americans we just you know that like that what was that the phrase from um the quote from uh, unforgiven that uh, americans would never they'd shoot a president but they'd never shoot a king because <laughs> americans americans wish they had a king still yeah right yeah and it's you know i mean it's 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 
That's just what we want. We want to vote for our king. That's the only difference. <laughs> <laughs> we want to pretend like we actually have a say in the matter, like like the fucking exactly you know, the great council. So yeah, I mean, I I, I think that's going to be awesome. I can't wait for that. I'm, I'm actually going to be kind of sad to see the the young uh, Renera go. Like she, I don't think she's going to last too many more episodes with all these time jumps. That I will think. be a shame. I think because yeah, I think, like we talked about this last time when we looked at IMDb, it showed that both actresses playing her were in every single episode. We're like, well, that's already not accurate. We know that's not accurate. Right, and that so, that was probably just like a we don't know, so we're just going to hedge our bets sort of thing. Right, exactly. And so it would be great to see her once in a while in a flashback. I would love to see the whole show just be linear and have no time jump, but I understand that that you know, they're covering a long a lot of, a lot of stretch ground. of time and isn't always possible, but we're going to get a full on um, Targaryen civil war, which is pretty fucking, you know, which if uh, given how high quality the show has been so far is going to be incredible. But I yeah, I do really like the actress who plays her. So I, I will be sad to see her go. But everyone apparently in the in the review said that the, the older one, like the critics, I guess, I guess screened the first six episodes and she also got yeah. extremely high praise. So I, I'm sure that they wouldn't completely shit the bet on the adult version either. But just no, interesting to do that uh, but yeah i mean look her up on imdb i don't have her name in her here in front of me and I'll, I'll definitely watch out for future projects uh with with her in it um somebody noticed uh that the sort of little town square that Rhaenyra, uh her stagecoach rolls through and passes the the smaller statue of the dragon um right and and there's like a little like a series of steps and then like sort of like a wall of of buildings I mean, you can see buildings as far as I can see, but you can tell that there's an open square there uh, that it more than likely is the same town square, which there's probably many in King's Landing uh, that Ned Stark was beheaded in. And I compared screenshots and they're not exact, but you would imagine that after 170 years that there would be new construction. It looks like there could be like a like there's like a um, sort of a grand viewing balcony that could easily have been built onto the existing buildings that are in the first image. Right. right? And that the steps could have been altered with like a stage for the beheading very easily. Right. Um, and we tried to figure out the exact name of it. And and you had mentioned flea bottom, but I didn't think that was the case because they wouldn't send the whole royal family there. Uh, also, you know, that was much more of like a shanty town. And this clearly is like an open market. Well, and that's a weird thing. thing. Right. Cause I, cause I, I found a map. That's a pretty good, you know, colorized version of, of King's landing. And so, and I do believe it was accurate because th- that was that scene was either right before or right after the scene with her and Allison inside of the inside of the set where they were like around the candles, I believe. And that 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 balcony is out right outside the, the steps of the Sept of Baylor, which is like the fucking high, you know, temple. That's where all the fucking um, I believe that's where all the, the, the faith of the seven were were like holed up in, in season seven and eight. Or uh, season seven, rather, but um... right, yeah, and people have mixed this up a couple times because they show that huge dome where the dragons are, and they've also shown the sept, which also was a dome, right? And some people right. have kind of like they've misidentified both when in fact they've shown both, and they just look alike, and they only you know you only see it for a couple seconds, and you're also right. looking at like everything else in the shot and the thing moving through the shot, so it's so you know it's easy to make mistakes, and and who gives a shit really? But we were just kind of curious if it if the filmmakers actually intentionally meant for it to look like the same place. Well, and I think it absolutely is because the set there's only three main royal locations within King's Landing. There's the Red Keep, which is the castle that they all live in, the walled castle uh, where the Iron Throne is and everyone's quarters and etc. There's the Sept of Baylor, which is like the big fucking mega church, like the 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 Joel Osteen mega church, <laughs> which is not yeah. connected to the like they they literally are like points of a triangle with on each end of King's Landing, which I was surprised by because they have to go through the sort of the rabble to get to these locations, which I wasn't aware of. But um, but then the whole Ned Stark beheading makes sense because there was a big crowd of like common folk watching it, so that's literally like the town square. That's like the dead center of King's Landing right outside the Sept of Baylor. So that's where he was beheaded. And that's where that scene took place. And then right. all the way on the far end is, is the uh, dragon pit, which I always thought was connected to the castle, but it's apparently on the other ass other end of, of King's landing. So that's also interesting. I mean, really good urban density, but not such good urban planning when it comes to <laughs> no, no, where you put what, or at least put a monorail in or something. I mean, a fucking, you know, a dragon monorail that goes between the three, you know, if, 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 
Tyrion knew all the tunnels under King's Landing, then certainly the other royals would have tunnels of their own to get around. That's like true. They, like they do under Washington, D.C. and Moscow. <laughs> and right. They have the little subway system under, under you know, they have fucking... <laughs> yeah. um, got, a, got a little like underground push cart rail thing going on down there. <laughs> Yeah, but no, but that so that was I thought that was interesting uh, that the kind of setup of that because we always I think I always assume they're all part of like the castle grounds, but I guess they're all sort of you know scattered around King's Landing and and well, flea also another like right outside min- the misconception was, was that um, mm. that uh, Viserys was creating a model of King's Landing. No, and right? He's he's not. I mean, why would you? That you have to look at it every day. Why would you want to make a model of it? He's making a, a model of. Um, Valeria, right. Valeria, right. The just, the perfect city which was destroyed, which he admits that King's Landing will never be. That King's Landing has already hit its peak as a city and is, has been in decline for most of his life, right? And, right. and his the, his reign, he feels, is connected to that, but doesn't really kind of personalize it. He just kind of sees that, like, no king or queen is going to be able to fix the, you know, the rot of that kingdom and that city. Right. So, you know, he's, he's, just, he is also just a really interesting layered character, but, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I love this show so far. It, it's, it's giving me the, the game of Thrones feeling. I mean, the, th- the only thing it's really missing is like uh, either like a, a, a hound or a, like a brawn type character who just like is very put off by every bit of pomp and circumstance. And it's just like, fuck this stupid shit. Like right. it's missing we, that we sort of character. And or even introduce the hound as a real character, you know, to right, for a couple seasons, I think. almost season two. I mean, you saw him in the background, but he didn't have any lines or he would just, you know, that he like briefly saves, save Sansa. And you go, well, at least he's not a total jerk. He saved like her from to her. And yeah. And he's a total asshole to her. Right. <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and most of that, that all that shit doesn't even happen until season two. So right. like we we've got a long time to introduce some amazing people and I wouldn't be surprised if they keep doing that cuz I mean look at how many how many amazing in-depth gripping characters were there in the first two episodes of the original Game of Thrones. Like they were there but they weren't presented as being those people yet. <laughs> no, it's it's kind of amazing like when I especially now as I'm rewatching just to see how how much of a proto version all these people were and, and John and like, just it, it's so bizarre. The only one who was really fleshed out, I think was Ned. And that was almost by necessity. Cause they're like, he ain't sticking around too long, but right. he's like the moral heart and soul of the show. And like his, his death is like the first real, you know, kind of, kind of, you know, fr- fracture point that sets off this war of the five Kings. Um, and it, and it's fucking great. Like, it's just, man, that show's so good. And this show's so good. I just can't believe that. You know, it, it, like I think you were saying this last week or maybe we were saying it off air, but like in, in, in a time where we're just inundated with fucking comic book movies and sh- it's just great to see like a show that's only meant to be watched by adults that has fucking layered, you know, interesting, like three dimensional, four dimensional characters that doesn't. Wait, you, you know, don't just... think that the Lord of the Rings prequel TV series oh, is going to do that. I'm so did, did you see that episode <laughs> that that article about how like if this series doesn't make a billion dollars like they're going to have to shut down their streaming service which is oh, fucking I, I, hilarious. Even more reason to hope it tanks. Which if I you know. look at it, if you look at that, you're just like, "Ooh." Like they didn't they really went with like the 2002 level of quality that the, those it, movies had always. Right, right. And I've always like like sort of loathed those movies because I find them dull as shit. But but this show looks infinitely more dull than the movie versions. It's like it, there's just nothing interesting looking about this at all, and it, it's so fucking funny because Amazon is just going to completely fucking obliterate their Prime Video. Like it's just amazing that the they spent a billion dollars on this fucking show, a billion dollars on a show that nobody's ever seen an episode boys? of. How much do you think they spent on the boys? <laughs> like, like maybe a hundred million total, I, like for I, all three seasons. You know, like. I rewatched the first five episodes of the boys, and I mean the whole show is good, but just the first five episodes operate as sort of just like a mini movie unto themselves, right. and it has almost like its own arc, like its own like, and then it, in the in, there's another however many episodes, another five episodes of the first season, but it really like that first five has such a perfect arc. I, I, I don't think any other TV show could ever do what that show did. I mean, there's obviously there's shows like Game of Thrones and Lord of the Rings and whatever the fuck fantasy stuff and you know to expect. And this show subverts so many things that we've come to, uh, I think, falsely appreciate about comic book movies right. uh, and about comic <laughs> books heroes themselves. 
but yeah, I mean, I, I hopefully Amazon implodes, but that show stays. Yeah, um, I, I hope that show, or even if it doesn't, <laughs> it finds like a new streaming home or something because that's you know one of the only worthwhile pieces of content Amazon's produced so far uh, on their fucking streaming service. But yeah. Just, just crazy, <laughs> fucking billion dollars on that piece of shit, fucking franchise that was. Be- I mean, it's amazing. All the more considering how awfully received the three recent, like the Hobbit movies were. Like I those thought pre- they only even made two of them, and then decided not to make the third. No, they out, made the nope, third. Yeah, they right. made the third one. How how many turds could we squeeze out of one meal? Um, <laughs> the Onion today had a great little like uh, infographic picture thing, and it was like the the top 25 things you may not have known about the new Lord of the Rings series. And the very first one was the new Lord of the Rings prequel takes place 10,000 years before the events of Lord of the Rings. Oh, good. So nothing at all that you would recognize whatsoever. (laughs) And 15,000 years before the events of Forrest Gump. It will be very challenging for filmmakers to connect the events of this movie to the, to the universe of Forrest Gump. (laughs) Do not expect to see Tom Hanks reprise his role in the Amazon Lord of the Rings prequel series. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, fucking the, love the onion. By the way, the third, uh, the most recent Hobbit movie, 59% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> and one, and one, and my, my favorite review, one sentence review from Tom Long from the Detroit News. Well, at least there won't be another one for a while. <laughs> <laughs> for he a while. Wrong. He wasn't wrong. We'll, gi- we'll give you a... Yeah, we'll give you a few year reprise and then we're just <laughs> fucking forcing it down your craw again. Oh, man. So, yeah. Um, great shit. We'll definitely, in some capacity, review the next episode, either at the end of our usual show or maybe we'll do three and four as a single episode in a couple of weeks. But yeah, yeah. We'll or if out. we can figure out how to wait to do just like a half hour review. And like um, a half hour regular something, yeah. We'll do something. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. We'll 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 see. It depends on how you know much how is going on in the world political is, yeah. wise and how much is going on in the world of Game of Thrones. Because honestly, I'd rather talk about Game of Thrones every week, but I don't want to totally drop doing our political show either. Right, same. Um, and I, yeah. And so so we'll 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 find the right balance and we'll base it on what happens this week and what happens on Game of Thrones next yeah. week. But um, And for those of you that like both and just like to hear the dulcet tones of our voices yapping away uh we'll always make sure to have some kind of content just for you right even if it's a cat meowing into a microphone for an hour <laughs> <laughs> oh i don't know if you noticed this one cool little detail about the crab fucker guy the pirate guy he uh has grayscale if you look at his clothes really that's why i th- that's why i think he's wearing a mask because he has pretty bad grayscale you can see it like kind of on his neck and on his like chin under the mask and like the tr- in the trailer for next week so it's just an interesting little wrinkle to his character. So he knows that he doesn't yeah, have much time. Well, I, I, did, I didn't actually get a chance to look at any of that except for what was in the show. And you could barely see it because, right. you know, in true Game of Thrones tradition, it was fucking dark as shit. <laughs> right. Uh, one complaint I don't have, although I I, ha- I have noticed, though, I've been watching stuff on Ash's parents' old flat screen TV. Mm-hmm. And really old flat screen TVs, like, they look like shit. I noticed that people tend right. to try to turn the contrast way up to get a higher definition out of it. And with, with an old flat screen TV, when you turn off the contrast, it doesn't really increase the contrast. It just makes the blacks, oh, makes it all, all the mids, the blacks really right. Like, right. It just makes everything. that's like slightly black, completely awash black where you right. can see no detail. And you know, if that's the case, it's it, like if fucking you, a scanner darkly when you're watching, like, right. Like, like there should be detail in the blacks. It shouldn't be all black unless no. it's like a movie from the 1940s. Um, so yeah, turn down the contrast of your monitor or get a new TV, uh, and throw the old one in the ocean, <laughs> uh, and go back and rewatch the long night, the, the battle of Winterfell and tell me that you think it's too dark still. Right. And that's it like was, one of the most wasn't incredible the... <laughs> hours of television in fucking all time. Right. It, it wasn't, it was, if it was supposed to, if it was too dark in a scene where you couldn't tell what was going on, it's because it was supposed to be disorienting to you as the viewer so that you would understand how terrifying it would be to be there and not be able to tell who the fuck was what. So right again, yeah. the, the hill I will die on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. So I think that pretty much does it for us this week. We'll be back in some capacity to talk about the next episode. Uh, check us out on our main feed. You can check out our political show. Both can be found at soundcloud.com slash move left idiots. Um, 
uh, facebook.com slash move left idiots i fucked that up soundcloud.com slash move left facebook.com slash move left idiots there we go um, patreon.com slash move left i am on twitter at move underscore left and i'm on twitter at with god all things are possible dot com right <laughs> oh god yeah all right and we'll see you all next week